let's be clear, we've seen companies lay off a third of their sales force. And in that case, you're cutting deep across all departments, most likely. But by doing that and having that kind of program, I do really believe that it is going to have your organization and your team viewed as a strategic partner and not as easily cut. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. How do you prove business value of the sales enablement function? That's a question that comes up in the global enablement community over and over again, especially in the United States, where a lot of enablement teams have suffered from recent layoffs. Our guest in this week's episode used to be a sales leader, which is why he has a laser sharp focus on revenue impact in his current enablement role. In our conversation, he shares a step-by-step -step guide to what it takes for enablement to prove business value. Please welcome the host of the Stories from the Trenches podcast and VP of Global Revenue Enablement at Instructure, Paul Butterfield. Paul, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. It's great to have you on the show. I've been really looking forward to this, Felix. Thanks for inviting me. Where are you dialing in from today? I'm happy to be in the office today. I know not particularly done these days, but I like to get in here once in a while and our office is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Awesome. Awesome. Lots of great tech companies there, growing community of enablers also in that region. So yeah, looking forward to the conversation. But before we dive in, I want to ask you, what is your background and what do you do now? There's apparently still a few people that have been living under a rock and haven't listened to your podcast. But for those of you that are not familiar, please give us some background. You know, Felix, I'm still a sales guy at heart. I've always been in sales. I had my own consulting firm for a number of years. And then after that, decided I wanted to get into tech sales. I just saw a lot of future there. So my first tech sales gig happened to be with HP, you know, out of the St. Louis, Missouri office. And I just have grown up in that sales. I've had the opportunity to work for some world-class companies like Microsoft and Intuit, where I've led teams. And it was in right this time of year, in 2012, that the company where I was working, my EVP, he was new. Had only been there a month or two. And I went in for my one-on-one, -on -one, my sales EVP went in and he wrote sales enablement up on the whiteboard. I hadn't heard of that before. And I'd been in sales a long time. I had to go Google. I didn't tell him that. But he started to describe what he'd observed me doing for my team. As a sales leader, I learned early on, you are responsible for the development of your team. It's the morally right thing to do. But from a hard-headed business standpoint, you're not going to hit your number if you don't help your team get better, right? And we didn't have that at that company. And so what he challenged me to do is go home for the weekend and think on how would I take what I was doing for a group of AEs and scale it to do for his entire sales organization and then come back with a 30, 60, 90 if I chose to accept the challenge. And here we are 11-ish years later, but I still, that sales, inner sales guy is still there. I keep a consulting practice on the side, mostly just referral business, but I never want to completely give that up. There's just still something about signing a contract, closing an opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day, the sales team is the customer of sales enablement too, right? And I think there's empathizing with your customer Agreed. as a salesperson or empathizing with your customer as a sales enabler can only be productive. So it yeah. tells a lot about your approach. I certainly appreciate that. I did sit through my fair share of crappy trainings as a sales rep. So I'm very sensitive to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So you can certainly empathize on that level as well. Mm -hmm. Paul, there's still so many definitions of sales enablement, right? And it's a never-ending topic. My opinion is always whatever actually works is the right approach. 
But how would you say from, in terms of the definitions that you come across all it's in the markets and you do a lot of interviews as well through the SES podcast, what is the difference between the way you view sales enablement versus some of the other opinions that are out there because you have that sales background? I don't know that my viewpoint is as unique now as it used to be, but when I went into that first enablement role and I had a complete blank slate, all of a sudden now I'm interviewing my former peers to find out, hey, you know, we used to sit around and complain about lack of training. Here's our chance. What do we want to do? And so I was always looking at it through a complete revenue lens. The other thing is I figured out not right away, but pretty early on that it was critical to be doing customer journey enablement. So when we rolled out the sales methodology, I went and had the CS organization buy in and have their people there so that the renewals team, so that everyone was being enabled with the same methodology, the same sales messaging, all of those things to create a much better experience. And as I said, and then when I went to Vonage, this was the same thing. So that's not as unique an opinion anymore, but it's still one that I feel very, very strongly about. And within that, you and I were talking a bit before the show that there's got to be some revenue correlation. And not everybody I talk to has figured that out yet, that there needs to be that. And sometimes I think it may be the background. Now I found in my career, full disclosure, when I first was in an A1, I had a bias. I thought if you hadn't carried a bag, you didn't understand the life and you wouldn't be effective as a sales enabler. When I was at Vonage, we did an acquisition where I had two amazing people join my team as part of the acquisition based out of Basingstoke, England. So Claire and Bruce, if you're listening, but neither of them had a sales background but they were amazing. And so that really opened my eyes to the fact that there really should be a balance on sales enablement team of hardcore sales experience, sales leadership experience, but also instructional design, adult learning, organizational behaviors, and things like that. So that means for those people that don't think that way, they're more focused on activity metrics. Is that fair to say? I believe so. Some people I've heard started calling them vanity metrics. Maybe they are because yes, they're critical, but there's always that so what. If you're going in to have any conversation about your team for 2023, you probably need to be playing a little bit of offense. Otherwise, you're going to be playing defense at some point. But if you're asking for additional resources, I mean, whatever it is that you're trying to grow, you've got to be able to go back and show them the WIFM, right? It's an old sales concept. What's in it for me? What's in it for my CRO? Why should they invest or even increase that investment in our program? Absolutely. What I see over and over again is that those sort of activity metrics being used as leading indicators and yeah. then the bottom line revenue as the lagging indicator, but there's a disconnect, right? Like it's too far removed and there's too many variables in between, right? So yeah. They are. And it's not easy to do. There's a few different ways I found to do it. One has technology involved. The other one doesn't. Happy to talk through those if you like. So again, it's not easy to do, but I found that it's really critical. I mean, let's be clear, only sellers generate revenue, right? Enablement's not ever going to generate a dime but we need to be able to show reasonable correlation. Absolutely. So let's talk about those ways of doing that. What are some of the methods that you can recommend to actually approach that measurement? So when I was at Vonage, I reported to a global SVP of revenue ops. We acquired the company from him. I think that was his fourth successful exit. So this you know, was a great individual to have as a mentor and as a boss. And he introduced me to a concept that actually is 25 years old. It came out of Harvard and it's called strategy mapping and along with it, the concept of balanced scorecards. If anyone's interested in finding the book, it really is a dull book, but worth plowing through. It's called The Strategy-Focused Organization by Kaplan and Norton, Harvard Business Press. 
But what I learned from that is how to start with a top line revenue set of goals, which pretty easily should be your CRO. What does your CRO most care about, right? No more than three because the authors, and I, I agree with them, say that if you focus, try to focus on more than three things, you're not focusing. Most programs just can't try to measure more. So the whole idea of strategy mapping is you start off with those financial outcomes and then you start to develop your strategy through the eyes of your, you mentioned internal customers. Well, in the case of sales enablement or revenue enablement, we are what those authors call shared service unit, right? We're internal, we're servicing inside of the organization. And my friend Siobhan has an interesting point of view on that. And she says that the salespeople aren't actually our customers. The sales leaders are our customers and the salespeople are end users, which she might be onto something there. But either way, we're serving internally. And so what are our customers looking for? And then what are the things that we're doing to continuously improve as an organization, operations-wise? And so it's a bit graphic to try and talk just about it. But the idea is, though, that you're thinking revenue first, you're plugging in the components of your strategy, you're thinking through the lenses of operational continuous improvement, operational excellence, and customer needs. And then every piece of your strategy, and these are not tactical, this is truly a strategy level thing, you need to be able to tie back using arrows to make sure, right, when you do the mapping, that everything in your enablement strategy has got to map back to at least one of those revenue goals. It may do it directly, it may do it through another piece of strategy. It's a bit like a Rubik's Cube to sort through these, but it's a really helpful exercise. Once you've done that, there a lot of the same authors have this, what's called a balanced scorecard that you use, you look at your strategy map, strategy is great. We've all been to companies where you roll out a strategy, six months later, nobody could tell you what it is. And the balanced scorecard is how you start to execute against that strategy. And you're scorecarding and you're looking for that combination of leading indicators. What are we going to do this quarter to influence X metric? And it could be a leading, it could be a lagging. Ideally, we'll have both. What is our baseline? What's our target? And you scorecard that. And since the elements of it are all coming from that strategy map, you know that you're driving, reasonably driving the things that should deliver the strategy, which should deliver the top line revenue goals. Right. So again, it's a bit complex, but is a really, really great way to do that without having to invest in any sort of technology or anything like that. You're just using Salesforce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the scorecard can be used to monitor progress on an ongoing basis and as an analytics tool, so to speak. Right. The strategy maps are by design should be 18 to 24 month approaches. The scorecard is how you're executing tactically and measuring results quarter to quarter. Could be half to half, month to month, whatever makes sense for your business. Absolutely. Just to shift gears, in the US, we've recently seen a downturn or as some people call it an expected downturn. And there's been a lot of redundancies also affecting sales enablers. Have you seen that there was a correlation between the lens or the revenue focus that has been applied by those people being laid off and them being made redundant? So does revenue focus correlate to greater job security? I would argue that it does. If my CRO, and I happen to report to a CRO now, and I am of the opinion that enablement really ought to report to the most senior sales leader in the organization. If they have hard decisions to make, and they're looking across that spreadsheet full of numbers, they need to, when they hover and think about enablement headcount, then they also need to have come into their mind, 
the impact that wouldn't be there next year that they saw in the previous six to 12 months. Now, that's still no guarantee. Let's be clear. We've seen companies lay off a third of their sales force. And in that case, you're cutting deep across all departments, most likely. But by doing that and having that kind of program, I do really believe that it is going to have your organization and your team viewed as a strategic partner and not as easily cut as if you're just measuring butts and seats and test completions and those sorts of things, which again, they're important, but they're just leading indicators. Got it. Got it. Now, if you take a case of a sales enablement team that might be small and nimble, senior leadership has bought into the concept, but they haven't really had a chance to actually have that often quoted seat at the table with senior executive leadership. And they haven't really been able to position themselves in a way that they really create that revenue impact beyond just training activities. So they're essentially just still seen as a training department with a different title. How would you suggest those smaller teams that might be in their position actually approach that shift and that transformation from activity metrics to revenue metrics and sell that approach into senior leadership? Because what really strikes me at that approach that you outlined earlier, based on that book, is that it might require a greater mindset shift across the organization for that to happen. And I don't think a lot of smaller sales enablement teams might be in that position. I would disagree. And here's why. The book that I talked about and the concepts that I'm talking about do not require a large sales enablement team. When I started out in sales enablement, I went from being a sales director to a sales enablement director over one weekend. And I was an army of one for the, about the first 13 months that I was in the role. So I've been there. I could have done what I just described. Had I known about it, I could have done that. Now, the elements of the strategy, the tactical things that I'm able to sign up for and the number of them that I can focus on is clearly going to have to be reduced to something that's reasonable to deliver. But it doesn't matter how sized, large the team or small the team is, you can have that mindset. You can learn how to have that mindset and start thinking of how. And what happens then if you don't have that current view of you and the work that you're doing by the executive team, that is a great first step to getting in. Being able to walk in. So a number of your executives probably encountered this technique when they were in MBA school or B school or something, right? But even if they haven't seen this exact concept used, you're now showing them a clear path to revenue and the things that they care about, the things that they get measured on, and you'll start to give that shift. Again, I don't oversimplify this. It's a difficult, it's an exercise, I'll say difficult. It's an exercise that invests in a lot of thought. You need to think differently and think about how you impact, but I believe that it can help you make that shift in how the organization views. And especially if you're one of those enablement teams, smaller teams that has become the department of broken stuff, which is very easy to happen if you haven't set direction. Now coming in with a clear direction that ties back to what the CRO cares about, again, is going to make you less prone to just have random things thrown at you because now you're executing on a plan and you're reporting on it and that sort of thing. And for what it's worth, I'm happy, right? If there's anybody that's listening that would like to ping me on LinkedIn, and talk about it. I'm happy to give some coaching on it. Awesome. When we take a case of somebody quite junior in their sales enablement role, and they really want to do that pitch. So I, I understand the, what needs to be done, but just to be very explicit and tactical about the approach here, when you introduce 
the suggested way of measuring things and the suggested way of correlating sales enablement activity and initiatives back to revenue. How would you suggest that pitches being made to senior executive leadership? Like what are the steps they need to go through and what are the stakeholders they need to consider? I'll start with the stakeholders. The stakeholders, depending on how the company is organized, I believe the key stakeholders for any enablement team and program are product marketing, product, rev ops, and sales leadership. I think we've always had those four. But when it comes to this particular element of it, I believe that starting with your rev ops team and your sales leadership team and understanding how are they already measuring? Because even if you have a very small, your small company have a small rev ops team, they're measuring something. So how are they already measuring? And share your idea. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tie this program back to some reasonable results. Help me. Think it through with them. See how they're measuring things. You may get some ideas on how to do it from that. And again, whatever the most senior sales leader is in your organization, if you can't get access to them, and I understand that in some organizations, a single junior sales name person may not, go to the most senior person that you are comfortable with because you want to understand what are the three top three things they're looking at. So I'll give you an example of that. One of them might be, what are the percentage of opportunities that are being sold with platform additions or cross-sell? A lot of companies, that's a big deal. Another one could be as simple as percentage of reps and attainment at or above attainment. Increase in total contract value, average contract value, annual contract value. Different companies measure it and have different acronyms. But spending time with that sales leader and rev ops would be my recommendation as how you then start to shape your thinking. Help them be a partner with you because ultimately you're going to have a better program if you've got that partnership to begin with. Got it, got it. But Beyond the senior sales leader, there's no other executives that you think should be taken on a journey. They then have to do the, the sell upwards or? Okay, fair question. That's how you're getting your initial input. So let's yeah. say that you're in an organization that is fairly hierarchical. Then that sales leader that has given you this input and you kind of get their feedback on, look, this is how I'm developing it. These are the measurements that I think make sense. These are the pieces. This is where I want to focus. Because if you're a small team, you can only do so much. I would recommend maybe you starting off with onboarding because that's such a critical thing and possibly getting a standardized methodology in place because then so many other things can springboard off that. Just two ideas. But then that sales leader and potentially rev ops person will then help you sell up market. If you've got someone in the VP or SVP level, you know, in your organization that's helped you develop this and is enthusiastic about it, then that's your next step is going up to the executive level but let them help you get there and own it with them. That's usually where you can go find out what is the average contract value right now. Here's another way you could look at it. What is their average sales cycle? Because if we can put some things in place that help reduce that sales cycle, and then you can take the other numbers that go with that, and you can start to extrapolate reasonably the increase that we should see by doing certain kinds of training and things, and then watch and see if it happens. And you're not going to get it right every time, but at least you'll know early that it's not having impact and you can rethink it. But the fact that you're thinking that way is how, what changes people's perception of what you're doing. And that's why I found good ref ops partners are so critical because almost any sort of leading indicator, because quote attainment's a lagging indicator. Once the quarter's over, there's nothing you can do. The number hit it or you didn't hit it. But the rev ops team have, they're the key to some of those numbers that you would identify as your leading indicators. That's why that partnership is so critical. So now we've mapped the sales enablement initiatives against the broader business strategy, see how that correlates, 
we might now measure through the scorecards that you mentioned earlier. What sort of communication flow do you establish to then maintain awareness of that impact that has been created by sales enablement? Like, are there certain channels that you can recommend to make sure that that value is being seen across the broader business, including senior executive leadership? I look at it similar to how product teams look at it. Enablement should have a roadmap. That should be a roadmap that your leadership team has, sales leadership team specifically has some input on, but also then is available for them. And they may not be formally structured QBRs. Maybe the rev work already does QBRs and there's an opportunity to report out that. But even if not that, putting together a summary QBR type few slides and sending those out. So that's the first place that I'd start, right? Think of how product publishes their roadmap. Think of how they give updates. I don't think that enablement, we typically are going to want to work in sprints or go to that extreme, but having that and having updates to that roadmap are critical. That's communicating back into the groups I mentioned, RevOps, your sales leadership, your product marketing team, because they are creating content as enablement. We typically are big partners in delivering that content or putting it in context or making it actionable for the salespeople. And I stick with those same four stakeholders, sales leadership, RevOps leadership, product marketing, and product are your tightest partners. If you have the opportunity, once you've developed the model and maybe it'll start showing some reasonable correlations, and if you're able to have the right culture, I would then find someone in finance and start including them in some of those conversations. And sharing that information is just a question of simply sending out an email or do you do that through calls? How would you structure that? I've seen it happen different ways. If the org already does a quarterly business review, ask for five minutes on that. You're probably not going to need more than five or 10 minutes. If that's not possible, your team doesn't do quarterly business views that way, then I would try to schedule time with those stakeholders. And again, you'll have to be judicious. You may not get the C-levels, but build a relationship and over time, try to move upstream. But I would also then send the slides and it doesn't have to be slides. I just think that's the easiest way to communicate, but send those out. That would be the last one. Maybe you have a Slack channel. I don't like email. I feel like things get lost there. It seems like so many organizations I work with, Slack has become, or maybe it's Teams or something, right? That's the more immediate vehicle for communication. Would send it out that way. And if I'm being a little vague, it's just because so many organizations are done differently. If you're working for a startup, scale up, that's still relatively flat, you're probably interacting with those more senior people every day. And that's great. If you are working for a $5 billion company and that's just not there, you go as senior as you can, you prove your worth and you work your way up. That makes sense. I think different companies have different ways of communicating. Right, exactly. From my experience, how high it is on the agenda. And if you've done your initial work right, it should be high on the agenda. But if you sense that it's not a immediate priority and not top of mind, it makes sense to have like some sort of cadence in terms of right. try to have that in-person moment at the QBR then follow up with an email and then maybe have the occasional update through Slack just to keep everybody updated. Exactly. That's what I found in situations where things were on top of mind or not a great priority. But as you said, if you have that sales leader, leadership partner that sells in that impact that sales enablement can create for the business into senior executive leadership, right. there should be no question mark, but that's just a side note. I mean, in my case, since I report to the CRO, I'm on his staff meetings. So I'm able to update my peers who are leading our international sales organizations, our RevOps organization, our marketing organization, and, and able to, you know, so that's great access to have. 
but sometimes you have to find other ways. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, on that note, it's been insightful and highly actionable. I appreciate you sharing that with our audience. If anybody wants to connect with you and follow more of your content, where can they find you online? LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. I maintain an open profile, so people are free to send connection requests. And I'm always happy to respond that way. You can also find me on WhatsApp, but I think, <laughs> I think LinkedIn is, is probably <laughs> going to be the easiest in most cases. And I'm online pretty often. Awesome. Awesome. We'll include a link in the show notes. Paul, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you and uh, we'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. This was fun. Next time on the State of Sales Enablement. People are complex. From any time in the day, my motivation changes, right? So who are we to pretend that we can coin operate people? The final thing I would say is that when you design and implement commission plans, you clearly want them to be motivational, but don't be so presumptuous that you can somehow be some sort of pup master.